If you would, please open your Bible to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Today, this Sunday, as well as Ed Edwards will be preaching next Sunday uh, out of the book of Romans. These are kind of standalone sermons before uh, on January 14th. We'll be beginning a, a study through the book of Romans. I'm sorry, the book of Hebrews. I heard that. People were excited. I hate to pop that balloon so quickly. The book of Hebrews. So that's what we're going to spend some time in next year. The book of Hebrews as well as messages over the summer through the minor prophets. Like one message for each of the minor prophets. So that is our plan for 2024. But today we are going to close out a year, a calendar year, which is, you know, it's rather arbitrary. But When we think in terms of generations and years, it's just good. These are time markers to reflect. As we close out one year and begin another year, what is it that God has for us? I'm sure you're thinking about that. And I think what John 15 has to say, what Jesus has to say in John 15 is just so relevant for us. There are many metaphors in the Bible of how people relate to God. So you think about the Lord is our shepherd. That's a metaphor. He's the shepherd, which means we're the sheep. Sheep are helpless. Sheep need someone to lead them and to feed them and to protect them. Uh, We're prone to wander. And so that metaphor, it doesn't tell us everything about how we relate to God, but each metaphor tells us something essential. Another metaphor is Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is our master, and we are his servants. So it means as a master, Jesus doesn't merely make recommendations to us that we get to decide whether we're going to follow. No, it's, it's him calling the shots. So he's a master, not an advisor. Another image or metaphor in Scripture is Jesus is the bridegroom, and the church is his bride. Jesus is the head, and the church is his body. And there's many more metaphors that we could add. Each one paints a picture, an essential picture, of how people are to relate to God. And in John 15, Jesus gives the metaphor of a vine and branches. And with this metaphor, it it elevates this essential aspect in relationship with God, in relationship with God the Father, Christ the Son. It's the essential nature of abiding or remaining. All fruitfulness in life and eternity doesn't come from us working hard, busying our lives, or being determined No, all fruitfulness in life and eternity comes from abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like a vine having branches, we abide in Him. And so with this metaphor, Jesus, He speaks of connection. He speaks of dependence. And as we'll see today, it puts the question to each one of us, is that how you, is that how I see our relationship with the Lord Jesus as that dependent. Jesus also speaks to those who think they are connected to him, but are not really connected to him. And so in this passage, we're going to look together at what it means for Jesus to be divine, 
for us to be the branches and to bear much fruit. So if you have your Bible open to John 15, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you as we come to the end of this year, Lord, you are still on your throne. The kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, there's tumult across the globe, and yet, Lord, you remain, and we praise you. You are the sturdy one. You are the unshakable one. So many things get shaken in our lives to to point our gaze to you, the unshakable one. And I pray, Lord, at the end of this year that you would help us all the more to press into you, knowing you and following you. Lord, I thank you just as we come to this end of this year, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, for sustaining us by your grace. We read in Scripture, and we know from practical life, that people make shipwreck of their faith. That's a possibility. Shipwreck. I don't want that. Lord, thank you for preserving us another year. And we pray for this upcoming year, Lord, you would preserve us all the more. Lord, I I pray as well that you would help us to be about your business and to be proclaimers of this good news we were singing this morning hope for all go and tell help us lord to go and tell whether these people can come to saving faith in a conversation or through something like the alpha course or coming to church or whatever it is lord we want people to know you and follow you lord jesus taught us to pray to the Lord of the harvest, that He might send out laborers into His harvest. So Lord, that's what we pray for. Would You raise up and would You send out laborers into Your harvest? Lord, we pray You'd raise up in the family, Lord. Families that are going about the business of the harvest. I pray, Lord, for laborers in the church. I pray, Lord, for churches planted. I pray, Lord, across the world and across our denomination. God, would You 
continue to raise up laborers, people that roll up their sleeves and want to see gospel work continue and advance. Give us your heart for this, Lord. And now as we attend to your word, Lord, help us not to go away forgetful or go away unchanged. But Lord, help it to go deep in us and bear much fruit. Lord, we want to abide. And we want to be fruitful in the coming year. And it's all going to be to your glory and on account of your grace. And so we, we ask for that. And I pray for any that are discouraged this morning. Any that have felt rather borderline fruitless. Lord, would you use this word to spur and to encourage and to convict. And we invite you to have your way by your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus uses this imagery of a vine and branches. And what does he mean when he calls himself the true vine? Well, Jesus calling himself the true vine takes us back in the story of the Bible quite a bit because this image is popular, it was a common image. The vine represented the people of Israel. So, for instance, Psalm 80, verses 8 and 14 say, You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine. And what is this vine that God brought out of Egypt? Hosea 10, 1 says, Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. So in the Old Testament, Israel, God's people, were the vine. And in order to receive the blessings of God, one had to be connected to Israel. And Jesus then comes on the scene and Jesus announces himself as the true vine. Chapter 15, verse 1 of our passage. Now, it's common throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus continues to point to himself as what the Old Testament was readying people for. So, when Jesus shows up, they point at him and they say, He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John chapter 1. In John chapter 2, he's the temple. Here he is. He's now in the form of a person. And so John 15, he's the true Israel. If you and I are going, or anyone is going to be connected to God, receive the blessings of God, we must be connected to Jesus. He's the true vine. He's the true spiritual supply. And when a person is connected to Jesus, something remarkable happens. Fruit. You're connected to Jesus, it produces fruit. Just like a branch connected to a vine receives the nourishment of that vine and produces leaves and fruit, so those connected to Jesus produce fruit. So in verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's all this talk in the passage about fruit. What is this fruit? Well, Jesus is speaking of spiritual fruit. Think of what we see all across the scriptures. Fruit is a godly life. Fruit is Christ-likeness. You know, even one of the ways that it's talked about, uh, about our words is these are fruit of our lips. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, it's love, joy, peace, patience, good, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So Jesus is not only saving us from our sins by his death on the cross, but he's supplying us with everything we need for newness of life to bear fruit. So fruit is not just being, you know, being fruitful. It's not just being productive in 2024. Maybe that's One of your New Year's resolutions, be more fruitful, be more productive. No, that's not what Jesus has in mind here. Fruit is suffering well to the glory of God. Fruit looks like growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fruit is learning how to love people that are hard to love. Fruit is learning how to forgive people when you don't feel like forgiving them. Uh, Fruit is being humble. Uh, Fruit looks like growing in humility. You see, if Jesus is our Savior, if He's taken the curse upon Himself, the curse for our sins, and He took it upon Himself on the cross, and if He is our supply, then really, church, there's no situation that you and I could find ourselves in in 2024 where it would be impossible for us to bear fruit. Because he's supplying that. And so in John 15, Jesus goes on to make a, several points about fruit. And I want us to consider these together. The first is that fruit is necessary. Fruit is necessary. Fruitfulness is not a take it or leave it quality. It's not the quality for those that are super spiritual. Did you notice how often it comes up in this passage? It comes up in verse 2. Branches that don't bear fruit are cut off. It comes up again in verse 2. Branches that do bear fruit are pruned, that they might bear more fruit. It comes up in verse 5. If we abide in Jesus, we bear much fruit. And it comes up again in verse 8, when we abide in Jesus and we ask things in his name, it says the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, because he says that's proof that you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Fruit is necessary. About seven to eight years ago, our family was gifted two fruit trees, a ruby red grapefruit tree and a pink lemon tree, and we planted those on the side yard. And I have shared about these before. Um, The pink lemon tree has never borne pink lemons, Uh, never even the, you know, the beginning stages of one. It's had a brush with death a few times 
where I thought, okay, it's dead, and then a little sprig comes back, and I go, oh, it's alive, but still no pink lemons. I call it a pink lemon tree, not because of the fruit on it, but because of the tag. It had a tag that said pink lemons, and so I'm going with the tag. Though the last time I was at the nursery, there was a a lime tag, and it had oranges hanging from it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they don't make orange limes. Well, Jesus doesn't do tags. He says, he never says, hey, anybody, you just want to call yourself a Christian? Yeah, just go for it. No, Jesus says, that person who is not bearing fruit does not abide in him, is not connected to him. And why is this the case? Well, because fruit is necessary. It says in verse 2 that the fruitless branches that are not connected to the vine and that are not producing fruit in keeping with the vine will be thrown away and burned. And it speaks of judgment. So fruit is necessary. That's the first point Jesus makes. Secondly, it makes the point that fruit is plentiful. Fruit is plentiful. Look at verse 5 again. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then look down at verse 8 again. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The fruit that comes from those connected to Jesus is much fruit. It's plentiful. So I told you about my pink lemon tree. Never had any pink lemons. In eight years, uh, we've had about six ruby red grapefruits, which is not a lot. But I'm okay because when I need, when I get a hankering for ruby red grapefruits, we just go to the store and we buy them. So it's not that big of a deal, but God cares that we bear fruit. And those connected to Jesus, he says, bear much fruit. There's no onesies, twosies connected to Jesus. When we're connected to him, when we're drawing upon the grace and the wisdom and the forgiveness and the righteousness of Jesus, the fruit in the home is plentiful. The fruit in conflict is plentiful. The fruit with our words is plentiful. The fruit when we face difficulties that would totally overwhelm us and overwhelm others, even there, the fruit is plentiful. And here's what God does to ensure that there's much fruit. Look at verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You see, God sees to it that you and I bear much fruit, an increasing amount of fruit. And so what does he do? He prunes us. He prunes us. What, What does that mean? Well, perhaps you're acquainted with pruning a vine or a tree or a branch. 
It, to, to prune is to cut off part of the branch. At Going from the side of my house now to the front of my house, we have these camellia bushes that were there when we moved in, and they're beautiful, beautiful pink camellias. Uh, they're blooming right now. Every year, I cut those back about six inches or so, and the result is this full blossom. I mean, each of them, you know, blooms like 30 different blooms uh, each year. It's just beautiful. We love it. And in a similar way, the Lord prunes you and I. He prunes us with difficulty. He prunes us with correction and the admonition of others. Every Sunday as we gather together the songs, the fellowship, the preached word, the Lord's Supper, you know what He's doing? He's pruning us. He prunes you by allowing physical suffering into your life. I mean, you, you and I should think every time we're suffering, every time we face illness or injury or lack, we should think, my Father who loves me is pruning me that I might bear more fruit. So, contrary to questioning, where is God? What is He up to? Does He even love me? My Father who loves me is about a work so that I might display fruit here and that I might display more fruit. You see, the pruning here, it's not necessarily because we're sinning or doing something wrong and God has to correct us. You see, I don't prune my camellias because I hate them. I, I prune them because, and I don't prune them because they perform poorly. I prune them because I got 30 and next year, I want 30 or more, and the next year, and the next year. You see, pruning, it's loving. It's life-giving. It's a part of God's good design. I was reflecting on this, reading Proverbs recently. There's this interesting proverb. Proverbs 9, it says, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. You see, this is like pruning. A scoffer won't be pruned. A scoffer won't receive the correction, and so the Lord cuts him off. But a wise man will be pruned, and he will bear more fruit. A wise woman will be pruned and will bear more fruit. And in, in this verse, it says, he will be still wiser. This is God's way of guaranteeing that Christians connected to Jesus bear plentiful fruit. And so Jesus makes the point that fruit is necessary. He makes the point that fruit is plentiful, and thirdly, makes the point that fruit is dependent. Fruit is dependent. It doesn't depend, and fruitfulness doesn't come from us. It comes as we abide with Jesus. And there's several ways this is stated in the passage. In verses 4, 5, and 7, he says this comes by abiding, just simply abiding in Jesus. In verses 4 and 5, it says that fruitfulness comes from Jesus abiding in us. In verse 7, it says it comes from Jesus' Word abiding in us. 
And if we went further into John 15, uh, it says in verse 9, it includes Jesus' love abiding in us. In verse 10, it includes keeping Jesus' commandments. The continual spiritual supply comes from Jesus, and we get it by abiding in Him. Now, often, if you're like me, we don't think we need a continual spiritual supply. We don't look at ourselves as that needy. And I call this the battery mindset. The battery mindset. What I mean is, in our world, there have been some great advances in battery technology. I mean, you could drive a car hundreds of miles on a battery. That used to not even be possible. That's amazing. Uh, You can carry around a pocket computer that is powered by a battery. We call it a phone. It's it's amazing what can happen. And we can have a battery mindset when it comes to spiritual things as well. And we can tell the Lord, I got this. I'm good. I'll come to you when I need a recharge. Well, Jesus doesn't use the picture of batteries. He uses the picture of a vine and branches, which is more like a plug, having to plug in. Jesus doesn't teach the battery mindset. He teaches the plug mindset. You see, the moment I take my lamp out of the plug next to my bed, my bed lamp, I take the plug out, I could click that thing all day. I'm not going to get just a little bit of light. I'm going to get no light. The moment I unplug my dishwasher, I'm not going to get some clean dishes. I'm going to get no clean dishes. The moment I unplug my oven, I'm not going to get some cooked food. I'm going to get no cooked food. This is the plug mindset. It's very different from the battery mindset. You see, there is no such thing as spiritual batteries. Out of all the images that Jesus could have pulled from, he says, yeah, it's like branches connected to a vine. The minute they're not, they die. So he doesn't commend the battery mindset. He commends the plug mindset. And he puts it in such stark terms. He says, apart from him, it's not that we can do some things or many things. He says, nothing. Nothing of spiritual value, nothing of eternal value, significance. So our our times when we come to the Lord, let's say our quiet time when we're coming to His Word, that's not a recharge. That's a reminder. It's not a, hey, let me get all charged up so I can be good to go on my own. No, it's a reminder, oh yeah, that's right, I'm totally dependent on the Lord. Sunday mornings are great. I love Sunday mornings. This is not a recharge. This is a reminder. I'm totally dependent. You are totally dependent on the Lord. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. And since you and I are more like plugs than we are like batteries, there's this repeated invitation in John 15, and it is the only command in John 15, abide. It's there in verse 4. Abide in Him. Some Bibles translate that word remain. Plug into Jesus. 
and stay plugged into Jesus. And since you and I are more like plugs than we are like batteries, let me ask you, whose words do you want to plug into? Let's plug into Jesus' words. That's the invitation in verse 7. He says, have my word abiding in you. That's it. That is, we receive, like, like a plug receives a continual current. We're receiving a continual current of Jesus' words. Now, this doesn't mean we read the Bible, you know, 24-7, and we're always reading the Bible, but it does mean the words that are, we're receiving, the words we're giving weight to, the words we're weighing everything and processing everything through the lens of is Jesus' words. God's word preserved for us. Since we're more like plugs than we are like batteries, whose identity do you want to plug into? Let's plug into the identity of the sinless Son of God. His access to the Father becomes our continual access. His intercession for us. All the blessings He earned, I am plugged into those blessings by faith. I think this is just a great picture for us in this passage of what it means to be a Christian. Or how a person becomes a Christian. A Christian is somebody who realizes they have sinned against a holy God and that they cannot save themselves. And that what Jesus did on the cross, he died, he he lived the life we couldn't live, he died the death that we deserve, and he was raised from the dead. And we realize and we say, I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm going to abide in that one, Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in him such that all that he has done and all that he is going to do becomes mine. So if you are not a Christian today, or you maybe thought you were, but you're realizing you're not, come to Jesus. Trust in Him alone. That's the invitation to abide in Him, plug into Him. And how do we do that? By faith, by trust. When we're afraid, who are we going to plug into? Well, if we operate like batteries, we've got nothing in reserves. But if we plug into the strong one, the one it says in Proverbs 18, whose name is like, the the name of the Lord is like a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. So fruit is necessary. Fruit is plentiful. Fruit is dependent, dependent on the Lord. And a final point that Jesus makes in verse 8 is that fruit glorifies God. Fruit glorifies God. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. To glorify something means to show it to be great, to show something to be magnificent. When you see a Two lines of cars wrapped around the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, and you see no cars in the drive-thru at KFC, those cars wrapped around Chick-fil-A glorify Chick-fil-A. They show it to be great sandwiches, great chicken, great service, and add your greats to that. It shows it to be great. God is already great. 
But when we are plugged into the Lord Jesus as our Savior, and we bear much fruit, it says here, we make Him look great indeed. Great like He already is. People see us, and they say, wow, who is, who is making that happen? Because that's amazing. And at first, they want to give us credit. And we could, be, uh, we could be sinister and take credit for it, or we could be humble and defer that credit to the Lord, which is what we see in Matthew 5.16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Oh, Grace Covenant, we exist for this purpose. We exist to glorify God, to make Him look great. Every word that comes out of our mouth, everything we do and don't do, everything we occupy ourselves in our lives is intended to make God look great like He already is. But people just don't know how great He is. And so when we are plugged into Jesus and we live for Him rather than for the fleeting things for the world, of this world, that's fruitful. And it glorifies God. When we endure scorn in order to tell others about Jesus. I I was praying this morning that pre-service prayer for each of these invitations that we're going to hand out. Lord, would you you help us to have boldness to share with people? I need that. We need that. We have boldness from him to endure scorn and whatever we have to endure to tell people about the Savior. That's fruitful. And it glorifies God. When we take the Lord at His word, and by His power we turn away from the things that He calls sin, that is fruitful, and it glorifies God. When we go to God's word and we're like, Lord, I need wisdom. When we go and we ask counsel from others, like He encourages us to in Proverbs the abundance of counselors, there's wisdom, there's safety. When we do that, that's fruitful. And it glorifies God. It shows God's ways are best. God's wisdom is the wisest. And so fruit is necessary. There is no such thing as a Christian who doesn't bear fruit. And according to Jesus, fruit is also plentiful. At times we may not feel that we are very fruitful. Perhaps, perhaps we're neglecting to abide in Him. Perhaps we've been disheartened by the pruning of our Heavenly Father. According to Jesus, fruit is also dependent. You see, there's two things that Jesus sets as total opposites, incompatible, abiding and self-sufficiency. It's the plug mindset, not the battery mindset that Jesus commends to us in this passage. And according to Jesus, fruit glorifies God because the fruit comes from Him, not ultimately from us. So the credit goes to Him and not us. If I can invite the worship team to return. Well, church, as we close out one year and as we begin another year, let me encourage us to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ.
Let us have Jesus abide in us by having His Word abide in us and His love abide in us. Church, let me encourage us to take a dependent posture, like carrying with us apart from Him, we can do nothing. And take that with us. Let that shape us. The 19th century pastor, Charles Bridges, he, he worded it this way. He says, God works in us, by us, with us, through us. We work in and through Him. Our labor, therefore, is His work wrought in dependence upon Him. And so, church, apart from Him, we can do nothing but abiding in Him. He will see to it that we bear much fruit this next year and for years to come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word in the way that You bring life, You bring focus, You bring conviction. And I thank you for that this morning. Lord, even adjustments that we need to how we define fruitfulness, thank you for bringing those adjustments this morning. And I do pray that you would help us to bear much fruit. Help us to abide. Even the very command that you give us to abide, help us to carry that out. And we're so grateful that you do provide the grace we need to walk in that. Thank you, Lord, that it is so much better to be connected to you, plugged into you, than to anything else, than to anyone else. And we confess today, we are not spiritual batteries. We need the Lord Jesus, and apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we bear much fruit, and we praise you all to the glory of your name. In Christ's name we pray, amen.